What's up? This is Makad Brooks. I'm playing James the Bridge Olsen. That's right. And you are listening to Supergirl Radio. Supergirl Radio. Super, 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 Supergirl Radio. Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are going to discuss the season three episode of the show titled The Fanatical. But first, we need to catch up on the news. The CW has announced its fall TV schedule for next season. Supergirl is moving to Sunday nights at 8, 7 central and will be followed by the new Charmed reboot. Morgan, what are your thoughts Mm. on the the move in schedule? I mean, to be honest, I don't always catch it on the night that it airs. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, Even though I should I should make more of an effort to do that and like live tweet and like have fun with everybody. I I, I don't all that often. So to me, honestly, the night that it airs on doesn't make a whole lot of difference. Yeah, in the in the age of DVRs, it it doesn't make a huge uh, difference to me either. I I have Sunday nights free anyway, so uh, that's not a problem for me. So I'm not too worried about this change in schedule. I think with the way that we have modern technology, it like you said, it doesn't kind of matter. We'll just catch it when we catch it. Is this the first time the CW is programmed a Sunday night, though? I think so. I think that's what I heard slash read slash am guessing. Uh, Yeah. So I think that's right. So it'll be an experiment. I think Supergirl could uh, make it work. I think so, too. Uh, At the CW Upfronts, Arrow Stephen Amell announced that not only will the DC TV shows be doing another crossover event in December, they'll be adding the city of Gotham into the Arrowverse and introducing Batwoman. That's very exciting because... uh, that's the first time we're going to get a Bat character in the Arrowverse. And uh, Batwoman has sort of a connection to Supergirl uh, via Maggie Sawyer. So there's that connection. So we'll have to see uh, what how they introduce her. I'm very curious as to what Earth she's going to be in uh, or on and what she's going to be doing with uh, the rest of the the Arrowverse heroes. I'm excited. I, I wonder if they'll be able to get Floriana Lima back for like just a quick little second. <laughs> like it wouldn't have to be like a whole episode. I think that would probably be like a lot considering it's like another probably four show crossover, but just like for a second, just to say hi. Yeah. I think the temptation to do that would be pretty <laughs> high on, on the list of, uh, you know, wishes that they probably want to do for the crossover. So I'm, I'm, I'm not going to write it off. I think uh, they, it would be really tempting to try to get her back for that. So we'll have to see 
what they end up doing. So another huge crossover event is coming our way. And good news for Supergirl comic fans. Supergirl will be returning in her own DC title with issue number 21 this August. The new Supergirl story arc will be directly connected to the storyline running through Brian Michael Bendis' weekly miniseries, Man of Steel. So this is also very exciting. A lot of people were upset that Supergirl's title got canceled. Uh, So this uh, will be bringing her back, and she has a new look. And uh, so I'm very curious as uh, to what they're going to do with her. Interesting. Have they announced who's going to be writing that? Or is it going to be, was it uh, Orlando before? Uh, No, it's not Steve Orlando. Uh, Let's see. uh, Sci-Fi Wire says it's the new Eisner award-winning creative team of writer Mark Andreco. Andreco. And artist Kevin McGuire. Uh, so they will be taking huh. over the title. I have not read or seen. I am anything. not familiar with either of them. <laughs> yeah, this will this will be my first foray into uh, their team up. So uh, that should be exciting. Cool. Uh, all right. Well, that's it for our news. So let's get into our discussion of the season three episode titled "The Fanatical." Here is the official description. Quote, when Tanya, guest star Nesta Cooper, a disciple of Coville's, escapes from what's what's left of his cult, (laughs) she gives Kara and James a journal that could hold the key to saving Sam. Someone learns Guardian's identity and threatens to expose James if he doesn't do what they ask. James contemplates what it means to be a black vigilante without a mask in America, unquote. Uh, yeah, so we did get the return of uh, Coville a little bit there at the end. I, when he turned and looked at the camera, I was like, you're such a weirdo. What are you doing? <laughs> Stop making cults, dude. <laughs> so what are you doing? You're so weird. Um, so we got the return of uh, not only Coville, but his his gang of occult members and what they were up to. And they were up to some serious stuff. <laughs> they were doing some things. They were they were uh, crafting a uh, like a witch brew recipe to <laughs> to make another world killer. <laughs> they were double double toiling and troubling. <laughs> yes, uh, that is for sure. Uh, so Morgan, what did you think about getting to see the cult again and and what they were up to? I kind of thought that Coville's cult was going to be one of our like storylines that went. MIA this season <laughs> uh, and I'm I'm surprisingly impressed that that's that stuff is coming back around and looks like it's going to actually be like a decent part of the end of the the season cuz he is still in the mix his crazy eyes are still crazy as ever <laughs> <laughs> he has obviously not given up uh when they were talking about earlier in the episode like oh you know he we we thought he was a martyr and I was like hmm I mean did they did they kill Chad Lowe off off screen? We never saw a body. I was like, first of all, we never saw a body, so I don't believe it. But also, like, I, I obviously a big fan of Supergirl, but they are they do have a tendency to do stuff like that. So I did almost believe it. I was like, they're kind of using their own tendency to just shuffle people off, like against me, because I was believing it. I was like, well. Say la vie, Chad Lowe, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've uh, we've gone with it for other characters. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> I guess we could have gone with it uh, with Thomas, Thomas Goville, but he is sticking around. And I, 
I was uh, pleasantly surprised by uh, all of the Kryptonian that was on the screen, or the Kryptonese, uh, what I would call Kryptonese. Uh, I couldn't read any of it because it was so small, but I was like, ooh, this is really fascinating. I really liked his journal. If anyone is ever going to sell Supergirl props, I'm going to bid on that uh, Thomas Coville journal. I thought that was so cool. Um, And I was also very intrigued by the Rock of Cow. They call uh, they call Yuta Cow the Kryptonian goddess of life, and so I was very curious about that because I don't think that's something from the comics. Yeah, the whole time I kept on thinking they were saying Utica, like like Utica, New York, and I was like, <laughs> I mean, I don't get it, but all right, like they're like the Rock of Utica, and I was like. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like it's, you know, it's a town with a lot of rocks, probably, if you look for them. <laughs> that, that always makes me think of The Office when uh, they go over to uh, the other branch and they and uh, Michael Scott makes some sort of threat and he's like, we're going to burn Utica to the ground. <laughs> That's what that always makes me think of. <laughs> well, I mean, in many ways, it fits into this episode because they were definitely trying to like... Put, put a bomb together of some kind. I think they thought they were maybe, I don't know if they thought they were making a bomb, but they definitely made a world killer. At first, it seemed like they were trying to make a bomb, and then it was like they were trying to make a world killer, but they definitely at some point made a bomb because they turned somebody into a shadow. So oh, yeah, they did do that. <laughs> I was like, is no one more, is no one like concerned about this bomb that they may or may not have, you guys? Maybe... Maybe look into their stuff a little bit. Yeah, that is a little concerning that they they got that accomplished and no one seemed to pursue that line of it. Yeah, they were more concerned about the rock. It's good that Supergirl talked Olivia down, but like she's going to jail now, right? Because she definitely vaporized a person. <laughs> yeah. I just feel like you don't get a mulligan on that one. Yeah, I would, I would hope that uh, she uh, went to prison after that. Although it was nice, I thought, that... Um, Supergirl tried to comfort her when all of that was going down. Like, Olivia, for sure, became a world killer. She had the crazy eyes. She uh, tried to kill Supergirl. Um, And I thought it was a nice payoff for the, you know, the source material that, you know, we sort of expected for world killers. And Olivia became the fourth world killer. So I was like, oh, well, it's different from the comics, but I at least appreciate that they had four world killers on the show. Um, But I liked that... uh, Supergirl was able to effectively talk her down like she had with Purity previously, and uh, she had to use her heat vision to get that rock out of her hand, and it hurt so much that Supergirl ended up having to use the the super breath to to freeze it so that it would um, uh, feel better for Olivia. And I I just really appreciated that, that, that Supergirl, even though she was having to fight her, she still cared about her. Yeah, I like that, too. I, I kept thinking, like, oh, man, how much would it hurt to have Supergirl, like, use her heat vision on you? That That's not going to feel good. Yeah. Uh, so a little confession, personal confession. Um, when I was in high school, I worked at Chick-fil-A. And one day they decided I, I was a cashier for most of my time there. I didn't work there very long, and you'll hear why. Uh, So I I was mostly behind the cashier, and one day they decided, hey, let's put Rebecca on the fry machine. And I was like, sure, this this seems like fun. Well, dumb Rebecca at the time Uh 
<laughs> grabbed grabbed the uh, the basket of where the fries go into the the like deep fry hot <gasps> water. No, grabbed the handle of that basket, thinking that it wouldn't be hot, and of course it was. Oh no! So I had second degree uh, burns on my <gasps> hand for uh, a good while. Uh, I played bassoon in high school, and so for a couple of weeks, I could not actually play in band because uh, I had, you know, uh, I don't know, I can't remember. I think they were like, uh, you know, those uh, bubbles you get sometimes on your hand when you get burned. Oh, yes, it was it was bad. So um, I can imagine that times like infinity if heat vision was on you <laughs> so i can imagine that hurt a lot oh my god yeah i can i can only imagine that sounds so painful i i like just barely touched the uh like the top of like my um what's it i like toaster when i was making some toast and it hurt so bad and then i had like a burn mark that took weeks to go away and that was like barely touching (laughs) yeah so i can imagine burns are bad news yes burns are painful and upsetting and uh eventually you can kind of maybe you know if they're not so bad they can get a little better but but heat vision i can't even imagine heat vision on a you know just a regular human skin um that must have been uh very very painful uh but at least supergirl tried to you know freeze it and cool it off and Maybe that helped her out, but uh, she's definitely going to be having uh, some bandages on in prison. Oh yeah, uh, where where <laughs> where she is definitely going to go for vaporizing a person. Yeah, you shouldn't vaporize a person. Although th- it was very scary, it was actually pretty scary. I thought when like she couldn't get the rock off of, uh, she couldn't get the Utica out of her hand. <laughs> she's like, oh god, I'm in New York. But uh, like <laughs> like Monel was like trying to get it off. It was just like wasn't leaving i was like uh-oh this doesn't seem good like i thought that the rock was just gonna like take over her whole body or something yeah there were there was a question there like what are they gonna do um so quick thinking on supergirl's part that she was just like well this is what's gonna have to happen you're just gonna have to deal with it it's gonna hurt <laughs> so <laughs> at least uh she uh did the right thing in in terms of uh getting it to to come off but it was uh, pretty painful for Olivia, but Olivia was causing problems. She kidnapped a person. She uh, messed around with Guardian. So it's not like she was completely innocent in this episode. So she did have some some things that she was sort of paying for because she and the cult members were not doing very good things. Not nice. Not nice at all. Was she the one that shot James, like, in the face? Yes. You shouldn't be shooting people in the face. Now I'm thinking that Guardian and, and Wen need to, maybe they need to take this and rework the mask a little bit. <laughs> yes. Maybe make some improvements on it because if just one gunshot is going to completely shatter your mask, let's work on that. Make some improvements. Let's, lear- let's learn from that and move forward. <laughs> yeah. Maybe make it a little more bulletproof. It just split down the middle and just just straight fell off. (laughs) It wasn't even trying. It was like, whoops, I'm tired. Yeah, so they need to maybe rethink that mask and make it a little tougher uh, to go up against bullets because it definitely did not uh, stay together. Um, And speaking of Guardian, I guess we should talk about uh, these uh, two storylines because there was a big theme in this episode about secret identities and how some of these characters were dealing with them 
how they were keeping them or how uh, they thought about possibly revealing them. So, Morgan, what did you think about uh, James's storyline as, as, as he had to deal with whether or not uh, to reveal himself as Guardian and what that would mean for him? Yeah, I, I liked it. Uh, obviously, we've talked a lot uh, about Guardian, and uh, I feel like we're on the Guardian sliding scale. We've always been a little bit meh about it. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a nice way to put it. Like I've always been of the opinion that if they can make this thing work, I could be on board. They've just never, uh, particularly made it work for me. Um, but I thought that they did a nice job in this episode of like really using the guardian storyline to talk, to touch on some real issues for, for James and to really talk about some, some deep stuff, which I thought was really great. I don't think that they, traditionally give James all that much stuff. Uh, So this is a big James episode. And I think it kind of proved to me, at least like if you give Makad stuff to do, he can do it very well and he can be very effective. Um, They just don't give him uh, enough to do all that often. So, I mean, as far as a a guardian storyline, I think it worked because I think it was, it felt to me more like, like a, a good James storyline than particularly being something where like guardians like, Hey, it's me saving the day. Um, where I feel like the guardian stuff always kind of falls a little bit flat for me, but as a James storyline, I thought it worked really well. That's a good point. It, it I, I was sort of thinking in my head that it was more of a guardian storyline, but really you, you make a, a solid point that it's, it's a James story. It's, it's definitely, um, telling something about James as a character, as a human, and what he's going through, not necessarily just his superhero side, although the secret identity does come into play because he may be forced to reveal it. But uh, I like that point that maybe it was more of a, a James story. Like a lot of the best storylines on Supergirl, it brings something out about the storyline, brought something out about the character and about James uh, versus just sort of being like some of the stuff that we got from guardian early on where he was just suddenly like, Oh, I, I, I really want to be a superhero because you know, (laughs) there was like, he had like a million reasons why, and none of them felt very emotionally. Like, I don't know. None of them landed very well for me. So I was always just like, okay, I guess they're just looking for something to do with this character. But I felt like in this episode, we learned a lot about him. We learned about sort of his past and that the story of him going off on vacation and getting arrested for playing tag and uh, all that stuff felt a lot like it's, it was part of his story and his history versus just being like a very guardian focused storyline. It was sort of James was sort of the character that was propelling it forward. And I think a lot of the best Supergirl Kara stuff is also, you know, her, like her learning something about herself through her like her struggles as Supergirl so I feel like this was a really good storyline for for James even though even though I don't always love the Guardian stuff uh, I thought it 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 actually worked in this one at least yeah and I I, I'm with you I I prefer stories and episodes where it's it's centered on the character and what the characters are going through. All of my favorite Kara episodes are ones probably watch, you know, when she's crying because she's going through something <laughs> terrible. Um, so those are, those are usually my favorite, uh, my favorites. And I'm usually more drawn to that because I can find something I can relate to. Um, and, and with James, I was very affected by that scene with him and Lena and uh, him telling that story. And I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I think McCod, when he gets good material, he can, he can make it sing. 
So uh, I, I really uh, liked his performance there in that scene. And I thought it was nice that he was able to share that with Lena, that he felt comfortable enough to share something uh, so uh, deeply affecting uh, for him that he was able to tell her uh, about that. And um, in addition to the, the James side of it, I, for me, I really felt the absence of Maggie Sawyer in this episode. Oh, yeah. And there goes the... Uh, the the big jumbo jet over my house i thought it had flown <laughs> there, over there earlier is. yeah there's maggie she's like <laughs> she's hi just, bye she just like jumps off the jumps off the plane and, like parachutes in but uh you know, I, I miss Maggie because she, you know, she left one of our characters, you know, very devastated and upset. And of course, that's upsetting for the audience just because you don't want to see your, your favorite characters uh, crying and, and upset. But uh, I think for me, uh, what I miss about Maggie Sawyer is that she was the connection to the National City Police Department. Yeah. And she was she was uh, the the kind of the connection between the local law enforcement and our heroes. And what I think, uh, you know, she could have, I, for me, I think she could have been a very valuable part of this storyline in this episode, especially with James, because I, I think what was missing was, um, you know, for James to have some sort of uh, contact with the NCPD. I, I think this episode sort of highlighted for me that he doesn't have that. You know, like Batman has Jim Gordon, even in the DC TV universe, uh, you know, Joe West is on The Flash. And, you know, of course, Barry has a connection to the police department as well, uh, being a former forensic scientist. But, uh, you know, you have Joe West on The Flash. You had uh, Quentin Lance on Arrow. A lot of those characters, you had you had vigilantes and superheroes, uh, but you also had a connection to the police department. So they had, you know... Uh, a way to not feel as such, I don't know if this makes any sense. Like on Arrow, Oliver Queen was a vigilante, a vigilante at the beginning and he had, he was at odds with the police. Well, eventually, he, you know, it kind of sort of came out that, you know, Quentin found out that Oliver was the Green Arrow and so he sort of had his back. Well, I, I really would have liked to have seen Maggie Sawyer, you know, stand up for Guardian uh, be a way to have you know James's back because she, if I remember correctly, Maggie knew that James was guardian. Yeah, I, I see now. I'm I'm trying to think back and and remember those episodes and remember if she did know. I feel like she did know, but I, I know that like she even was not like always a super fan of Supergirl. Like yeah, uh, so I think that that would have been a really uh, that would have been a really nice dynamic to have in there because I do feel like if we had gotten more of Maggie and we had gotten more of James's guardian, we sort of had gotten those two storylines intersecting. I think there would have been a lot of, of room for there to be like complex storylines like this, where Maggie is maybe helping him out or also maybe Maggie's not happy about it. And Maggie doesn't, well, you know, like that he is a vigilante and they have some arguments about that. And like, you know, his place in the the crime fighting scheme of things. I think that there could have been some really interesting stuff to get into. It's just, uh, it's a shame that we don't have Maggie on the show anymore to sort of represent that, like, you know, National City PD um, perspective. Yeah, I, I was just thinking about that because we got a lot about James and his side of the equation, but I was just curious because I started asking questions in my head, like, well, what what does the NCPD really know about Guardian? 
I know that they had uh, an interaction before when Maggie was still on the show where Guardian sort of caught some bad guys and left them for the cops. But I couldn't I couldn't remember if the cops were like, hey, thanks, Guardian, or if they were like, um... <laughs> yeah, that was my question, too. Like, yeah, I, mean, I feel like even if they were not fans of Guardian, even if they were like this guy again, my God, like <laughs> what they it feels like Guardian is not like super famous, but like he's kind of well known. Wouldn't they at least know like, hey, this is the guy who usually tries to save people Sure, he annoys us a lot, but isn't it more likely that the other crazy-looking people are the problem and not him? Like, that that was where I was like, don't you guys know, don't you even know Guardian? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was just, I was just really confused about what they thought about him, and so that's why I started to think about Maggie. Yeah, I guess I'm also confused about how well-known Guardian is, because sometimes it seems like people know who he is, and other times it seems like they have no idea. Is he, like, a niche superhero, like the hipster version of a superhero, (laughs) where, like, you're really in the know if you know who Guardian is? Like, (sighs) I knew Guardian, like, way back <laughs> before he got popular. <laughs> yeah, I I know that Lena says in the episode that everybody knows Guardian's a hero. So uh, I guess maybe most of National City does know. I just, I don't know that they've shown us that enough on on the series itself. Yeah, I think, I think the real problem with the Guardian stuff is that nobody... It feel it almost feels like nobody involved with the show has ever sat down to figure out like what they're going to do with Guardian, how much National City knows about Guardian, how much they care about Guardian. He just kind of pops in and out when it is convenient to the storyline and or it, it feels like they're like when's the last time Akkad's done like gotten anything to do on this show? Like let's throw him a Guardian bone. Uh so I feel like the uh, we know really well that everybody knows who Supergirl is and that, you know, how people feel about Supergirl and there's cults springing up around her and things are getting weird. But we don't I feel like we don't have a really good idea of how well or non well liked Guardian is in general in National City. Like I we've seen superhero shows before where like the superhero sometimes is not super well liked. I, I think we got some perspective about that with Tanya. I liked uh, James and Tanya's interactions because we, we sort of got a, a a woman on the street, as it were, of of what she thinks about Guardian and, and her interactions with James and how she was appreciative that James had helped her and saved her and thought, you know, she thought Guardian was pretty awesome. So I was glad to get some, you know, uh, some normal national city person uh to to actually you know who has knowledge of guardian and interacted with him so i really uh liked their interactions yeah i like their interactions a lot i thought she was a uh, a great guest character in this episode and i liked even though it seemed like a little bit of a dicey decision to me that they were gonna like put her back out in the field and uh and have her even bring the you know the Coville's journals and stuff, which they definitely needed. And I was like, do you really want to risk the journals? Uh, but I thought it was cool that she was like totally willing to go back out there and fix what she started and like take responsibility for her own actions and that she wanted to protect James and protect Guardian uh, because she thought that he was sort of a needed figure and that him um, opening up about his secret identity would be... Um, 
maybe a lot of trouble. Yeah, she was really brave. And I felt a real kinship with her because she could translate Kryptonese. <laughs> and I was like, we could be friends, Tanya. I feel like we you could guys be could just sit back kick back talk about kryptonian <laughs> kryptonese uh, do a little do do a little translation <laughs> argue about like when it doesn't make any sense and it's just gibberish <laughs> yes I, I i think we i i think tanya and i could connect on that level so <laughs> i would like to see her come back and do more translating uh, I, w- I would uh, I would be in favor of that. I did want to get your perspective on uh, James's uh, emergency guardian suit. Did you, <laughs> did, you, did you notice that? So I did notice that, and I specifically noticed that it was in his elevator in the office. <laughs> now, if you were going to put an emergency suit somewhere, wouldn't you put it in, say, the place you lived. (laughs) So, I mean, I'm not saying that every episode confirms my theory that James lives under the desk, but I'm not saying they've come out and disproven it. It just seems like the evidence is mounted. It's stacking up. (laughs) My question about the elevator guardian suit is what happens when he gets down to the bottom floor? Does he just walk out into the Catco lobby as guardian? Wouldn't it be great if they were like, it's, you know, you know, it's, it's, a uh, working here is really great, except sometimes it's a little weird because Guardian just pops out of elevator sometimes. And I don't, I don't want to question it too much, but it's like, what floor is he coming from? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, maybe he, maybe it doesn't go, maybe that elevator doesn't go to the lobby. Maybe it goes out to the parking deck or the parking lot or something. We don't know where that elevator actually goes down to. Or maybe he just like folds up the guardian outfit and like puts it in a little duffel bag. And then he's like, Hey guys, uh, just me going to go to the bathroom real quick. And then he like changes in like a stall or something. Yeah. I was just really confused about that, (laughs) that guardian suit in the elevator. I think it would have been great if he had like strapped on a jet pack and then just like blast it through the ceiling again. (laughs) And then like, you just see some construction guy like on the first floor going like, not again. Not again. I just <laughs> Why fixed it. What is happening here? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I did notice that Olivia, when she, they came in to get Tanya, she uh, pu- pulled off a couple of uh, shots in the, in the air and it hit the ceiling. And I was like, well, somebody's going to have to fix that Catco ceiling because it's got a couple of gunshots in it now. <laughs> so I felt really bad for the people at Catco. I know. I was immediately like, Oh, I, I hope that, that those are thick floors. <laughs> like, what what's going on with the people upstairs? And, like, the upstairs office is like, why does this keep happening? <laughs> like, I just feel like so many bad things happen on that floor of CatGo that, like, the upstairs and downstairs floors are probably, like, the amount of insurance we have to cover on this office space makes it barely worth it. I didn't even think about uh, what if <laughs> there are people above that floor <laughs> that, was, that was like the first thing i thought of was like oh no like poor some poor woman is like sitting at her desk just like trying to get through her day like maybe she's doing like a like a little game of solitaire just like a quick one before <laughs> before lunch and then all of a sudden all of a sudden like some gunshots like pop up from the floor below and she's like Catco. <laughs> God, that always Catco. Now I'm really concerned about that floor above Catco. It's it's probably it's probably like pure lead plated or metal plated <laughs> or something. Like they they're like, listen, you're gonna put some more concrete between these floors. <laughs> I don't care that it's impractical and it's gonna make the ceilings really low. 
wouldn't it be great if like just the Catco ceilings were like like basically James had to like crouch down in every scene because they just have to keep making the ceilings like more and more reinforced. Yeah, well, I guess you know what you're getting into when you move into that building. That's true. I mean, you you are signing that lease with some knowledge. That I, I feel like they probably, they give really steep discounts. They're like, wow, this is the cheapest office space in the city. And then they realize why. You might be risking your life by working here. Just know that. Uh, occasionally you'll see Supergirl. She might fly in. Uh, but there could be uh, evil Kryptonians who come in and uh, uh, gunshots that go off. Uh, Occasionally, you might have an invasion of sorts uh, that will uh, require you to uh, be brainwashed. Yeah, (laughs) I was going to say, some of you might not make it. (laughs) But for the ones that do, you're really going to be able to to enjoy those low, low prices. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so Catco, we got a return to Catco. I was glad to see that. I uh, hadn't seen Catco in quite some time. It has been a minute since we've seen anyone in Catco, hasn't it? Yeah, and uh, when Kara popped up, James looked surprised to see her there. <laughs> How does she still have a job at Catco? That is my question. If our if our boy, Snapper Car, was still uh, still on the show, still not snapping... Uh, she would have been R.I.P. Snapper, wherever you are. <laughs> she would have been so fired so, so early in this season. Because she has not done a single bit of work, I don't think, in all of season three. I'm trying to remember now. I can't recall a single... Did she have even a single... Like, usually she gets, like, one, like... I'm a reporter uh, episode per season. This one, I don't think she had. I can't recall any. I'm probably forgetting one. I want to say she investigated Morgan Edge at one point. That's right. Okay. Yes, she did. She did a little bit of investigation into Morgan Edge and then just kicked back for like, what, six months? (laughs) Because I do remember that Lena dropped an ace reporter thing in there. And I was like, oh, you're dropping an episode title from season two. I see what you're doing. (laughs) Uh, You can tell that Lena is a really good friend because she called Kara an ace reporter and she knows for a fact at this point that Kara doesn't even show up for work. (laughs) (laughs) Well, she just really believes in Kara's abilities, (laughs) even though Kara does not demonstrate them very much. Um, So I guess we could talk about Kara and her secret identity struggles and what she's going through. So what did you think about... She was getting a lot of advice coming her way about how to handle the Lena situation, and she had a couple of interactions with Lena as Supergirl. So what, what did you think about her, her continuing struggle with all of this? Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm trying to be positive. Uh, I have, I'm not loving this whole storyline. Now, I will admit that I like Lena and Kara's friendship, and it's been one of the highlights of like the last two seasons for me so to see them sort of at odds is not my favorite thing but I also don't like seeing them at odds over something that feels a little dumb and easily resolved like they tried really hard in this episode to drive home that Kara should not tell Lena her secret identity for reasons that still are not clear to me. Like, I feel like if this was the episode where they're like, no, we're going to explain to you why Kara is not going to tell Lena. They didn't do a great job, at least from my perspective, because I still don't get it. 
And then we had like Monel telling her like if she told Lena it would just be for herself and to save the friendship. And I was like, what's the problem with trying to save your friendship? I don't it's it I I guess I would kind of understand if Lena was like an innocent bystander who was just sort of chilling out in her towers doing science stuff on her own in no immediate danger of any kind, then I could kind of understand, like, okay, she wants to leave Lena out of all this. Her life's pretty crazy. Lena is literally staring down Rain, who is like, I am going to snap you like a twig (laughs) and then create a fire out of your body. And Lena's like, cool, this seems chill and normal, and I'm not uh, afraid at all. And (laughs) And then Kara is like, yes, I don't want to put Lena in danger. Girl. Girl, she's, she's already in, in danger. danger. She is already in so much danger, so much more danger than she could possibly in be in if you just told her your secret. In fact, I think at this point, it's almost irresponsible of Kara not to tell her the secret because everybody else around her knows it. And it's getting weird. And wouldn't it make more sense if Lena was in danger from rain uh, and was threatened, she could call Kara. She would know how to get in touch with Supergirl. I I agree with you. I think it's, it's a, a little irresponsible for her not to tell her at this point. And it also, like, I don't, I, I love Kara and I love Supergirl and I do not like being irritated with Supergirl. But she was acting like a brat again in this episode with the kryptonite thing. Where when Lena put up that like wavy lead thing in the uh, in Rain's little like uh, rain case, uh, and and Car was like, or Supergirl was like, oh, I can't see through it. Like we talked about this. You were supposed to tell me when you came up with like new inventions. And Lena was like, you're not the patent office. Like what are you talking about? <laughs> and I was I was on Lena's side because. Car- because Supergirl was just being weird about it. It's like, here you have an incredibly powerful enemy who just by coincidence happens to have the some of similar weaknesses as you have. That doesn't mean that, like, Lena should just be like, well, it's going to make Supergirl, like, a little uncomfortable, make her a little sad. So uh, I guess we should just all get our spine snapped in half, I guess. <laughs> I guess that's the only solution. Uh, I felt, I really felt at that moment, like, the amount of aggravation that Lena had. I felt that as well. Like, you're kidding, right? Yeah, that speech that she gives Supergirl when she said, when she asks, you know, why is it so important to you that we're friends? And uh, she, at one point, she was like, "It might surprise you to know that I don't think about you." Like she, uh, that those <laughs> those those uh, those speeches that she gave Supergirl, I thought were very. Uh, they, I, I did sense that she was a little agitated with her. And I also, I so I kept going back and forth about. Does Lena know that Kara is Supergirl? Because I kept going back and forth about it. If she does know, she's basically saying, like, like I'm pretty mad at you. <laughs> oh, yeah. If she doesn't know, it does make a good amount of sense. Because if she does, really doesn't know, Supergirl's behavior is, like, crazy weird like right like crazy weird (laughs) because supergirl and lena are not best friends because supergirl is like a superhero that just sort of swoops in and out occasionally and she's being like super like i don't want this to impact our friendship and lena's like i mean yeah we like we work together but like 
sweetie, we're not friends. Like, <laughs> I see you, like, occasionally, and it's usually, like, in a life-or-death situation. Like, we're not going to see Taylor Swift concerts together. <laughs> what are you even talking about? So, like, it's getting harder for me to buy that, like, Lena hasn't figured this one out because, first of all, Supergirl and Cara Danvers have, like, a surprisingly similar amount of friends who are all the same people. <laughs> Who she's, like, actively working with now all the time. And it's getting weirder and weirder to, like, make that logic leap that, like, Lena is, like, one of the most intelligent people in the world, but hasn't put this puzzle together. Yeah, that, that is a good reminder that Lena is working with all of the people who are also friends of Kara's. <laughs> who are Let's also, not like, Kara's best this. friends. Let's not forget this. she's been to, this. like, several parties with and, like... <laughs> definitely know like she definitely knows win is like one of Kara's best friends who like also happens to know supergirl real well isn't that such a coincidence <laughs> also Kara's sister that's weird <laughs> and yeah and uh that jean guy jean Kara's ex-boyfriend randomly seems to be around so much around supergirl a lot too such a such a small world they live in <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i i was uh I, I felt a little better about Kara in this episode because we got more information about her side of things. I, I think in the, the previous week's episode, I, I didn't feel like I understood Kara as much. I do think her 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 tired uh, superhero trope of, oh, well, if, if, she, if people, uh, you know, if Lena knew my identity, you know, bad guys would use it against her and all this kind of stuff. It's, it's tired. It's, it's a dumb trope. It's been proven. It's been proven to be stupid and um and and outdated at this point because it's better to tell the person than not to tell the person. So I think that is still very flimsy. Yeah, it's it's very it's also very flimsy because Lena Luther is a pretty well known person in National City. It's not like she's flying under the radar anyway. And she has assassination attempts all the time with <laughs> without Supergirl anyway. Without Supergirl, you would think that if anything. Being friends with Supergirl would be like a security bonus. Yes, <laughs> that is very true. Um, but I, I did like the uh, the scene where she says, you know, I let my mask down for one second and look what happened. And uh, she has she asks herself these questions. She's like, you know, you know, I, I'm supposed to stand for truth. How am I supposed to be truthful? And uh, so I at least appreciate that she is digging into that for herself that she's trying to figure it out and i i i think she's she's getting there but i think she's also getting really terrible advice like, <laughs> really terrible i like that she was more conflicted in this episode i like that i feel like it's we are at least a half season too late on this like i feel like if this episode with this storyline had happened like at the you know, closer to the beginning of this season, it would have been a lot better because I just feel like it's at this point, it's gone on for so long that like, I was just giving up on them ever having a conversation about like, isn't it weird that we've told everyone, but Lena. And so when we finally got to that conversation, I, it kind of felt like a little bit, a little, little too late, but I did like that. She was finally sort of asking herself like, should I tell Lena? And, uh, and I did like that she apologized to Lena about some of her, like, Supergirl's intense reactions about uh, the the kryptonite stuff, which I thought was a was a nice touch and that she was really trying to apologize for her actions and sort of relate to Lena. I just, again, 
from Lena's perspective, if you don't, if she doesn't know that the car is Supergirl, that was a real weird conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it was like that uh, that aspect last week where it's like um, we both know that James is Guardian, right? Yeah, so it's it's a very strange situation. Uh, but I did like you know like the stuff with Supergirl saying you know I know what it's like to not know what role you have to play. I can I can be on board with with Kara having issues with not knowing if she's supposed to be Supergirl or if she's supposed to be Kara. Like, I can understand that dilemma. But at the same time, I don't like the advice that it might make you feel better, but I think it would be selfish. I think that's terrible advice. It's not selfish to tell someone the truth. You're actually doing something for the other person by giving them the truth. How is that selfish? I just kept trying to wrap my head around it. I'm like, okay, there's got to be a perspective in which this makes sense. I couldn't get there. I have no idea. When he was like, you know, it would be selfish because you'd just be trying to save the friendship. I'd be like, I kept on thinking, well, what's wrong with trying to save your friendship? It's not, again, Lena is in so much danger at this point anyway. It's, you're not putting her in less danger by telling her because Rain, the most powerful being like on earth right now, really hates her <laughs> so like super like she's definitely like top of that kill list and uh so so really there's no way she could be in more danger so at this point like i don't i i didn't understand the advice i was trying to even like is there a way in which this advice makes any sense? And to me, I couldn't, I did, it didn't, it just didn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I, I learned uh, a long time ago when I was in high school, I, this, this was me being a teenager, a little rebellious Rebecca teenager. I lied to my parents one time and they found out about it. And they gave me a talk that basically said, you know, we're really disappointed in you. You're going to have to earn our trust back again. And that 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 gutted me. And I learned right then and there. I think I was maybe 16, 17 at that time. I was like, you know what? If this is the way uh, losing, uh, you know, uh, breaking someone's trust feels like, I don't want to do that anymore. And you know, I try to be as truthful as I can all the time. So uh, I, I think, uh, you know, if it was me giving Car that advice, I would just be like, the truth is the best policy. Even if it's going to bust up your friendship, even if it's going to make you sad, it's best to tell the truth. That's what I would tell Kara. So I think this whole, like, telling her the truth would be selfish. I think that's garbage. I'm sorry. That's bad advice. I agree. And I, and I also think, like, Usually the thing that you're trying to hide is not worse than the lie. Like the lie is the worst thing. Like yeah. the lie is the thing that's, that's harder the betrayal. for people to get over yeah. than the thing that you're trying to hide. Like if you just came clean with it and you're like, listen, I messed up. This is what I did. I think that if Kara, if Kara Supergirl or whoever tells Lena, like, this is my secret identity. I didn't feel comfortable telling you um, because of this. But now I want you to know. Like, sure, Lena would be mad, but she'd get over it versus the eventuality that she's just going to find out some other way, which is literally going to happen at some point. Like, there's only so long you can put this off is going to make the betrayal that much worse. Like, she should really like James was going to do early in the earlier in the episode. She should get in front of this thing because it's like you can't expect to keep a secret forever. That's not 
reasonable. Yeah, I I I hope we get a, a resolution to this at some point because it's kind of driving me up the wall to talk about yeah. it every week. It's like, <laughs> oh, more secrets and lies this week. And I think especially just because every every other person on this show knows the secret. And so I've I've mentioned this a lot, but like Smallville for all the many things that Smallville did that were just what are you doing? <laughs> they, there was at least like not every person in that town knew that, you know, that Clark Kent had superpowers and the people who found out found out like little by little. Mm-hmm. In this show everyone knows except one person and so it doesn't make a whole lot of sense it's not like she's very precious about her alter ego she told when in the pilot episode first episode <laughs> <laughs> everyone basically everyone knew in the first episode what was uh, what was up cara <laughs> just tell her what's going on just it just get over it and tell her it's going to be fine. Yeah. So it's, it, I mean, to me, it doesn't feel like it's an integral part of the show that like people not know, like it has been on some other versions of, of like other superhero shows or other versions of the, these kind of shows. And Supergirl's never been like, oh, oh, I got to keep, got to really protect my identity super hard because everybody has, from pretty much the word go, has known her identity except like one or two people. So that's why it like makes even less sense that they're like, no, 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 we gotta, we gotta just keep it from Lena. Yeah, I think uh, James's dilemma with his secret identity was a more compelling story because it, you know, it it had uh, real stakes to it. You know, what it, what if he did get found out and he had to reveal himself and you know, as a vigilante, he would he would maybe get sent to prison. That could maybe be his consequence of acting outside of the law. I don't know how, again, we don't know the law enforcement perspective on what they really think about vigilantes. Do they consider them to be helpful or do they think they're a menace? We don't really totally know. But James at least had some real stakes going with his uh, dilemma, whereas Kara is just... I don't know. Uh, she's She's just putting it off. The stakes feel made up to me. It definitely, it feels like one of those situations where I see the writing of the show versus like what the characters, I feel like what the characters would normally do. And that always kind of annoys me when it feels like drama for drama's sake. Yeah. Just like a lot of the love triangle stuff this season. I just like when you see it coming and it's just coming right at you and you're like, why is this happening? And also it's not interesting because if I can see it coming and like, I know it's like, it's happening, I can guess it. That means it's happened on like a million other TV shows. Like I can see their falling out over secrets and lies. It's like, but I've also seen that a million times on like a million other shows. Like, could we just take a different stab at it? Yeah. There was, there was another set of secrets and lies uh, between Kara and Monel, <laughs> where Monel I think wants to tell Kara his feelings, but then Jean threw his own, you know, threw Monel's own advice back at him and said, well, Telling it, telling her the truth would be selfish. Doesn't feel so good now, does it, Monel? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make any sense, does it, Monel? Uh, so I don't know if he's actually going to tell her on their little space inter- intergalactic road trip. I don't know if he's going to confess to her that he still has feelings, or I don't know what's going to happen with that. But it is sort of still dangling in the story. Yeah, it's there. It's happening. <laughs> I was I was a little upset that like we had very briefly the prospect of like a Supergirl and John road trip in an old car spaceship and then it was just like pulled away from us. 
I was like, no, that's the that's a road trip I want to see. Well, we did get that earlier when they went to Mars. That was fun. But, you know, I guess they had to switch it up for this one. She could have played Britney Spears. <sighs> they could have gotten so many snacks for the road. I mean, that, yeah, they definitely have a Britney Spears playlist, I feel like, in that car. <laughs> in that car. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so we'll, we'll have to see what happens uh, moving forward with that love triangle because that has definitely reared its, he- its head. Um, so we'll have to see because we don't really know Kara's side of it. We've only really seen Monel's side. So I'm, I'm curious to see what Kara would say if he did tell her the truth. Um, but let's talk about uh, Alex and Ruby and Mar- Well, I don't know how to pronounce it anymore because Kyler Lee said Marin in this episode. And I thought they had been saying it Mirin. That's what I thought, too. And I got so confused. It's like it's like the wandering like apostrophe in his <sighs> name. Uh, we finally got confirmation on how to spell it. But we don't have confirmation. And by the way, if you need to spell it, it's M-Y-R apostrophe N-N. That is the Supergirl spelling of it. The, the DC Comics version is completely different. Of course. But the Supergirl version, M-Y-R apostrophe N-N. That is the correct spelling of Mirren. Although now I don't know how to actually say his name because it's been pronounced both ways. So please stick to a pronunciation because I don't know if I'm saying it right now. Because I've been trying to all season like consciously say Mirren. Say Mirren. Mirren, Mirren, Mirren. And then when she said Marin, I was like, what? What? <laughs> what is happening? I don't know anymore. Our world was askew. Oh, I'm so confused now. Um, so... Should we say Marin, since that's the way it was pronounced in this episode? I don't know. I don't know. Pick a pronunciation. We'll just, we'll call him Space Granddad. Space Granddad. That'll solve all (laughs) of our problems. Um, So what did you think about the storyline with Alex trying to help Ruby kind of come out of her her, um, funk? Because after she found out about her mother being Rain... It would be a little traumatizing for a, a, a young child. Yeah, that's a hard one to process, I think. Yeah, so what did you think about what she was going through and how she connected to Space Granddad? I really like this storyline. I like, I like. well, I also like seeing Alex and, and John get to have some good stuff, um, good scenes together. And earlier in the episode when she's got like 10 books about like coping with grief. And he's like, what is happening? And she said, he... One of them makes the joke that there's not really a a chapter in any of those books about your mom turning into a world killer. <laughs> uh, so it's a it's a little bit of a hard one to figure out. But I thought it was it was nice to see Alex trying so hard with Ruby to get her out of her funk and kind of cheer her up. Uh, even though the things that she thought that Ruby um, was gonna be into were all really just things that Alex is really into. <laughs> like when Alex was like, "I got this sick new." The new motorcycle, you want to ride it? I was like, no, Alex, I think you want to ride it. Now, that is selfish. Her her suggestions, though, were, like, the funniest things ever. It's just, like, a laundry list of, like, things Alex wants to do. She's like, you want to get a cat? It's like, no, Alex, I think, again, I think you want to get a cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think she did try really hard, and she was doing as, as best she could. And I, I think what's really cool about that is it – uh, is that Ruby came out when it was when it was time for her to come out of that shell? Like she she came out when she connected to someone who el- who also was having a little bit of trouble of you know dealing with some trauma and and some loss, and she could she could connect to uh, Space Granddad on that level and know that somebody else was going through that. I think for a- Alex, she couldn't really. 
um, relate to Alex and, and Alex couldn't really relate to Ruby because they weren't going through the exact same thing. But I think Space Granddad, they were they were sort of on the same level. And I thought that that was really nice. And I liked that um, Alex and John's, you know, their characters have been intertwined all season. And I thought it was a really nice payoff at this it, in this episode that those storylines and those characters kind of came together. I, I, th- I thought that was some really good writing. Yeah, I really like that. And I liked that they, um, the Ruby and Space Granddad play the foosball at the end of the episode. And it's, it, that was so cute. Uh, I really liked their, I liked all, seeing all four of them together in the arcade. And I, I, I liked Ruby and Mirren connecting and having that those conversations and, and her kind of realizing that she's not the only one who's dealing with some hard stuff. And I thought it was really nice at the end of the episode as well that, like, they Alex had been trying previously so hard to protect Ruby from what is happening. And when Ruby mentioned that, like, she was afraid of turning into someone, like, a bad person like Rain, um, like her mom had, like her mom is, Alex didn't sugarcoat it because Alex is, was just honest. She was like, I don't, you know, we don't know enough about what's happening with rain to, to tell you that there's definitely like no way it could happen. Uh, and I think that's a big difference from when she was hiding oh, yeah. the whole situation from Ruby uh, it, to the point where Ruby was like calling her mom and like bringing rain uh, and almost getting everybody killed just because she didn't know what was going on. I think it is a good question though. Like if, how much does does Ruby have Kryptonian DNA in there? I, I mean, I, I would imagine so, because Sam would have been a little baby Kryptonian when she was put in that pod. So I, 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 I think so. They did talk a lot about uh, uh, Krypton, like rain cells and, and all that stuff and overriding rain's DNA with Sam's DNA. So I don't know exactly how that works in terms of <laughs> what that means for Ruby. Um, and I also laughed about the idea that rain cells are closer to plant cells. And even Supergirl <laughs> says, well, yeah, that's kind of related to how Kryptonians process sunlight. And I was like, are we talking like photosynthesis? Like what is, that's what, what what is happening? Like, like just occasionally cars like, whoo. I am. I just have to go outside and just sit out, sit out in the sun for a while. Like she's just out there, like soaking it in. Like, hold on, it's this has been a big meal. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah I don't know exactly how that works, but uh, yeah, I think that question is really interesting about uh, Ruby and what that means for her. And I, I think that's uh, smart to have her be thinking about that kind of thing. Um, so we'll have to see what what happens with Ruby, of course, but. Uh, but I did like that she was able to uh, connect with Space Granddad, and I liked seeing Alex be truthful with Ruby. And I think you, uh, you bring up a good point. This is different than um, in last week's episode where she was trying to hide everything. And I think I think the truth was a big aspect of this episode. A lot of characters were dealing with it and struggling on whether or not to tell the truth. And Alex has made a real decision to just be upfront with Ruby from now on. And uh, you know what? I think it's the best policy. I think you should always tell the truth. That's just me. Yeah, I mean, like the last time she wasn't truthful, it really backfired. So I think the truth seems to be the the smartest uh, the smartest option when it comes to this whole situation because the truth is that they don't 
they don't know a whole lot about what's going on anyway. So it's not like she's hiding much. They don't, they really don't know what's going on. Yeah. And I think it's built some trust between Ruby and Alex. And so I, I really, I really enjoyed their little storyline and uh, I'm, I'm curious to see how it will develop from here on out. Well, uh, what were your overall thoughts about this episode? Uh, did you like it? Did you not like it? What did you think? I like this one. I thought um, I liked the Ruby uh, and Mirren and Alex and John storyline. I thought it was really well done, and I and I like I like how much uh, stuff we've been getting with Alex and John. I think I think they are always really excellent in scenes together. I thought this was a really good James storyline. Uh, James episode which we don't get that many great James episodes unfortunately usually he's like re- uh, relegated to the love interest or like just some person who gives like one line of exposition dialogue and cat co before Supergirl like bounces out so it was nice to see him get like a real storyline that sort of dived into his character and his uh in his background and we sort of learned more about him I thought that was nice the car and Lena stuff I still don't love uh and i i just haven't been loving the way that they've been handling it it just feels we had a whole conversation about it i'm like like you said earlier i i don't want to have to talk about this every single episode it's getting old already and it's really just begun uh i just feel like if they wanted to put a wedge between these two characters there had to have been a more interesting less obvious way to do it like i could have written this storyline like her set lena's like second appearance on the show like they they foreshadowed it a while ago with her mom and i just kind of was like i hope they go a more interesting direction than that and it just doesn't look like that's what they're doing and that kind of bums me out but um overall i really liked the episode i liked the parts that weren't about like telling car not to tell lena the secret because it still doesn't make any sense to me <laughs> Yeah, for me, I didn't love this episode. It's not kind of one of my favorites, just because I, I I felt like I like you. I hated the advice that Monel gave to Kara. I didn't like that. So there were some things that I didn't quite like about this episode. But I really enjoyed a lot of specific scenes. I really liked that scene with uh, James and Lena. I thought Makad put in a really great performance there. It made me really feel for his past and what he had been through. Um, and I uh, enjoyed the Ruby and Space Granddad and Alex stuff a lot. And there were some moments where Supergirl, I really thought she was um, she was my my shining star that, that uh, Supergirl usually is when she is with other people. And I think that's one of the things I really liked about this episode is that we got to see these characters interact with someone outside of the main cast. We got to see James with Tanya. We got to see Supergirl with Olivia. And those are the things I would like to see more of. I want to see them interacting with people outside of the usual cast because I think that it gives them a chance to grow as characters. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I do feel like one of the, the downfalls of at least some of this part of the season is that it's begun to feel a little bit insular in that they're all just sort of interacting with each other and or worried about rain stuff and they're not so much you know saving people or or dealing with outside villains it's kind of it's kind of all like boiled down to just the essentials which is not yes it it does kind of like you do kind of lose that other outside perspective where you have somebody like tanya telling um guardian how important he is and and you have kara sort of talking down 
uh, Olivia. Yeah, I, I would like to see more of that. Uh, maybe uh, reporter Kara could be. I, I keep pushing this. I've been <laughs> pushing this, I think, since uh, the end of season two. Maybe Kara, uh, reporter Kara could do stories on people in National City and get to know the people of National City. She would have to show up to work first. She would have to show up <laughs> to work. That is essential. That is part of having a job is actually showing up to the building and doing it. Uh, so that would require her to make an effort. <laughs> uh, so uh, while I was not crazy about this episode, there were some great scenes and great moments for some of these characters. And I think it really pushed, especially the the James character. I think it gave him a lot more depth, depth and I was glad to see that. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for our discussion, but let's find out what our listeners had to say about the fanatical. Um, at Jesso13 said, lots of good stuff, but too packed. Feels like they are trying to cram a bunch of stuff in to wrap up the season. Hated Monel's advice to Kara on Lena, and I'm still not excited about the love triangle. Lena was ruthless in her conversation with Supergirl, and it made me sad. Um, at Kaya underscore Matsui said, The writers made me care about James for the first time this season. Wouldn't it have been great if they had given him good moments like these the whole season instead of making him a love interest? Also, Kara should just tell Lena. The more she waits, the worse it will get. Um, at KVidiCat53 said, a strong episode for James this week while Lena and Supergirl are in a very bad place. I'm worried about where, uh, or I'm worried where this is leading for Kara and Lena's friendship. Can it survive? Um, at PattyMello20 said, Kara trying to justify not telling Lena the truth by saying that it puts people in danger would make sense if everybody in this show didn't already know the truth. The fact that Lena is the only one the dark uh, in the dark is just dumb now. Does Catco only have one security guard? I mean, seriously, that one security guard is not getting paid enough. Let's just say that. That's a good <laughs> point. They need to beef, beef up security in Catco. That one security guard has gotten so many concussions. <laughs> <laughs> He's like an NFL player. Um, at Madtown Davidson said, there were some powerful scenes in this episode, but it felt like they tried to juggle too many characters and themes. They sort of tried to develop this idea that sometimes telling the truth is selfish or something. I don't really get what they were going for. Yeah, I don't think it Neither made a lot we. of sense. Uh, at Kenny Crayley said an okay episode not as good as past episodes but I did like Supergirl Kara Monel Alex Ruby Jean Mirren and Lena scenes were good though the James Olsen Guardian stuff was not that great also the world killer worshipping cult been there done that already Kenny's over that cult. <laughs> uh, I, I wouldn't mind more of the cult stuff. Me neither. As a, as a, as a person who is weirdly like intrigued by cults, like always give me more cult stuff. I would like to see more Kryptonese on the show. So if that's where that leads, I could be into <laughs> that. Um, but, but I can understand why, uh, Kenny uh, specifically here might be kind of over it. Like we we've seen these people, we've we've kind of dealt with them, um, but I think we're going to get more of Thomas Coville. So I think we're, it's going to continue. Yeah, I think so. I think he, we're we're not done with him yet. <laughs> um, at Clark Kent seventy two said this season this episode felt very season two like with Monel turning back into Mike and going undercover. It feels weird seeing Mike with a beard, but I'm starting to go up the Mon L the Mon scale. The it, Mon it looks scale? like Mon scale, which, Mon scale, which I think is very uh, creative. <laughs> In parentheses, Mon scale. Overall, a good episode. Oh, and Mirren playing foosball with Ruby was great. Uh, at Luthfer said it was such a good episode. This feels like uh, this 
truly felt like a balanced uh, out episode where the focus is on one character, James, that somehow also progresses another important storyline, Carolina. I wish we could get a balance like this more often, especially if there are also high quality storylines. And we have an email from Shelly who writes, quote, I don't understand this whole Lena not knowing Kara is Supergirl storyline. The show's writing is feeding my confusion. In season one, episode two, at the 2253 mark, I really appreciate Whoa. your specificity there, <laughs> Shelly. This is specific. Shelly is bringing it. She is bringing her receipts. We could be really <laughs> good friends, Shelly. Um, <laughs> Shelly goes on to say, Kara tells Alex that Wynn and James know that she is Supergirl because they are friends. She had just met James at that point. Also, the argument that keeping Lena in the dark for her own safety is a weak, a weak reason. It doesn't seem like any of the other friends are extra threatened because they know her secret identity. I think Lena's biggest threat, where Supergirl is concerned, would be Lillian Luther. Lillian not only knows that Kara is Supergirl, she is waiting. Oh, I for forgot it. about that. <laughs> she is waiting for it to blow up in Kara's face and in turn hurt Lena. I try not to overthink the show, but their writing on this topic just doesn't make sense with what they have written in the past. I also love the attention to racial injustice James is bringing to the masses. I think his message is sad, but so accurate and necessary. We see it all too often in the news, but this story is reaching people on a different platform. It is showing this atrocity taking place to someone viewers have gotten to know and care about where they might not know someone in their day-to-day lives who have experienced this bigotry. And Shelly finishes her email saying, I don't understand the use of the Lost Boys battle cry from Hook. I love the movie and story, and it seems like the use of it came out of nowhere as far as the show is concerned. I know Melissa Benoist has it posted in her Twitter profile, but why are they throwing it around now, unquote? And I agree, Shelly. I thought that came out of absolutely nowhere, and it was very strange. Um, I knew about Melissa Benoist having Bangarang in her Twitter profile, and I immediately was like, oh, well, it's probably because they wanted to give Melissa the ability to say that on screen. But they never set it up. (laughs) I feel like if they had mentioned it earlier in the episode, like, yeah, one of my favorite movies is Hook, or Cara and Monella had watched Hook together at some point, maybe if they had mentioned it previously and then later on in the episode, they were like, bang a ring, you know, and, and they could, they could kind of pay off the fact that they had mentioned hook earlier in the episode. That would have made more sense, but the way they did it was so bizarre. Yeah. The way they did it was so weird. I didn't realize it was a hook reference because it's been a really long time since I've seen hook. And so I thought it was like, I was like, is this like Monel's <laughs> catchphrase in the comics? Is this like a Bob Cobb thing that I don't know about? And, First of all, would that not have been amazing if Bob Cobb had a catchphrase and it was like bangerang? It felt like something that could be possible. And so I was like, maybe I just go with it. (laughs) Well, I am a huge fan of the movie Hook. It's uh, one of my favorite Steven Spielberg movies. Uh, I love Peter Pan movies. And so, uh, I mean, when, when Hook came out on VHS, yes, back in the days when VHS was a thing, I I remember getting it and we uh, we went to my grandmother's house and and uh, I watched it over and over and over again. Hook is just like ingrained in my soul. So I love Hook <laughs> and uh, I I don't mind the use of bangerang. I just I just don't think they earned it in the episode. And it I don't if you didn't know that Melissa Benoist had that in her Twitter profile, you'd be like, what in the world? Yeah, that's what I was like. I thought it was. First of all, I thought it was super adorable, but I was, like, so confused. I, I had no idea what was happening. So I was like, is this 
should I know this? Should I uh, I understand what they're saying? And the thing is, Bangarang, as far as I know, is specifically just a hook thing. It came from the movie Hook. That's where it started. That's where it first became a thing. So, yeah, I I don't know. I, I get that it's like a meta Easter egg of sorts, but... You you gotta you gotta earn that when you write stuff like that. You gotta work it in somehow. Yeah. You gotta you gotta make it feel organic instead of just like a thing that's gonna confuse people. You never want your audience to be like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and I think a lot of people probably were like that. Um, Alex wrote in saying, after seeing how James had to deal with his secret identity and how Guardian can be a symbol, I think Lena will now look at Supergirl differently. Lena will, will come to an understanding that Supergirl is also a symbol and needs to keep her identity secret. This will lead to the writers giving us a forgiveness and reconciliation moment between Lena and Supergirl, probably in the season finale. That's an interesting perspective that I didn't actually think about because Lena sat there and listened to James talk about his secret identity. So maybe she will be a little bit more forgiving of Supergirl being like weird about hers. I don't know. She she said something. Uh, Lena says, uh, I have friends, Supergirl, friends that don't scheme behind my back or lie. Given my family history, they know how painful that would be. So I don't, I don't know. I, I, yeah. I have, I have <laughs> concerns on whether or not Lena would actually forgive her for this. Yeah, that's I uh, maybe, maybe that's too positive a spin on. <laughs> it's, on it's very possible. It's very possible that she would treat Supergirl's secret identity like she handled Guardians. But I don't know. She seems very agitated with Supergirl. So. Uh, I'm very curious to see, especially if they will address it in the season finale. I I feel like it's heading there. I feel like it's getting to a point where it's going to blow up by the end of the season. Yeah, I do. I do feel like they're not that they they might not put it off until next season to let have this whole thing. I hope not. Although it doesn't feel like they have a lot of a lot of time or space left to really address it. We've only got like what three more episodes. Uh, I think we have two. 23 oh okay it's just gonna go all summer supergirl's just it's just gonna we're just gonna like listen buckle up because <laughs> we're just we're going straight through to september what are hiatuses anyway who needs a vacation who needs those like we're just crying in the background <laughs> <laughs> uh well uh daryl asked the question quote why does james only get this kind of quality of writing once a season just like last season's guardian centric episode it was a good one but came too late in the season to really get us behind the show's interpretation of the guardian character and james motivation to become him unquote i think that's a very valid question uh, it does seem to happen at the very end of the season that's what they did at the end of season two it's funny i was uh i was actually thinking like looking at the episode number and thinking was 19 the guardian episode last season as well it was 20 it was 20 so even closer to the end <laughs> <laughs> with even less time to go they were like let's throw a guardian episode in there yeah so it's a very valid question uh we have an email that comes from patricia who writes i loved how motherly Kara was with olivia after she heat visioned her hand how she told olivia to let her see her hand and then blew on it like she had fallen off her bike and scraped it on the other hand Pun not intended. <laughs> I don't believe that, Patricia. Uh, <laughs> I, w- I wonder if Olivia's hand is permanently damaged. It got burned with heat vision and then probably got frostbite with Kara's fe- freeze breath. Will Olivia get a robot hand in the future? Oh, Patricia, I like how you think. <laughs> I mean, someone should. <laughs> so- someone on this show. 
needs a robot hand. And you know what? I'll take it any way I can get it. <laughs> what if she then starts snapping with her robot hand? Somebody should. I mean, I think we're desperate. We, we really. We are so desperate. We will take anything. <laughs> Uh, Patricia says, as for the James Guardian storyline, I admire the writers for being so bold to continue to address current social issues in a superhero show and doing it so well. It gave my husband and I the opportunity to talk to our young children, ages 6, 10, and 12, more about racism and bullying. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think it does open up those uh, kinds of conversations. So um, I'm glad to hear uh, it uh, presented opportunities for that. Uh, Well, we also have an email from Danae who writes, quote, I'm surprised how much I enjoyed the Guardian storyline this episode. I feel like this is the first time the Guardian storyline all clicked for me. I mean, the Catco elevator having his suit was awesome. (laughs) Then the turn it took when his mask fell off was really intriguing, and Makad killed the monologue about seven-year-old James. I guess the only thing that would have made it stronger for me is if we if we'd seen how people respond to Guardian in previous episodes. One of the themes was how people might no longer support Guardian if they found out he is black, but we've never really seen anyone respond to Guardian to begin with, aside from people who were already friends with James. The police didn't even seem to recognize him or his suit when he was being cornered in, in the parking garage, unquote. And I think that's a good point, Danae. I The only time I remember anyone really interacting with guardian like that was i think in that city of lost children episode that we talked about (laughs) uh i i specifically remember a scene where guardian saves a woman and she's scared of him because he is intimidating looking i mean he he does wear that all black he does kind of look like robocop and and so (laughs) he has a really souped up technologically advanced shield which is pretty, I mean, it could hurt somebody if you used it against them. So um, he, I, I know that James did kind of go through that episode thinking, you know, I, I don't want to scare people as Guardian. I, you know, I'm, I, I want to be there to help, but I don't want to scare people. So that, one, I think, was the only time we really got some perspective on really what the citizens of the city thought about him. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad somebody else besides me uh, pointed that out because I think we were talking about this earlier in this episode that, like, I don't have a very good idea of how the city feels about Guardian in general. So, yeah, I do feel like if we knew more about how the city felt about Guardian, that storyline would have hit a little bit harder because then of like, oh, I don't want to lose, you know, the love of the city or whatever. But we don't even, again, like, she's right. The police didn't even seem to recognize him. And, like, he's been around. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he's been doing the Guardian thing for a while. Guardian's like the indie rock of the uh, <laughs> of the superhero world where he's just, like, like, super underground and, like, only appreciated by, like, certain people. <laughs> uh, we also have an email from Sam who asks, I remember back in season two of Legends of Tomorrow, the legendary ladies from the Legends of Tomorrow podcast were disappointed in how the Justice Society of America were utilized that season. I wonder if you super ladies will have a similar problem with how the Legion was used in this series of Supergirl. Well, Sam, Sam, first of all, thanks for listening to both podcasts. (laughs) As you should. Uh, yeah, you should, definitely. We yeah, we did not love how the Justice Society was utilized in season two of Legends of Tomorrow. They kind of felt a little bit like a throwaway. I feel like the Legion is at least somewhat better used in this season, but it does feel an awful lot like just a vehicle to get Monel back so we could have a love triangle, which I don't 
I don't love. Yeah, I think that's my main gripe with it. I think they did a good job showing their abilities and and, uh, nailing their personalities. I I think, you know, especially with Brainiac 5, even though he sometimes didn't look like Brainiac 5, he (laughs) had had the personality down. Yeah, and as somebody who who isn't even familiar with, uh, like, Brainiac from the the comics or from the, uh, the animated series and stuff like that, I just really enjoyed him. I just think that if he wants to come back, he is welcome any old time. <laughs> uh, the other stuff I haven't, I, it, it does just, it feels like they did a really good job with the the characters and their, uh, their personalities and their powers and stuff like that. But it also just felt like we were spinning wheels with them until we could get to the thing that they really, the writers really wanted to do, which was the love triangle. Sometimes they did feel like a little bit of a plot device. Um, I I wish they had been uh, portrayed as more of a team and not have that forced drama of the love triangle because, I mean, the whole marriage, the arranged marriage, I thought they could have done without that. Um, I I didn't quite like that, but I I think they at least established what the Legion of Superheroes was, that they uh, showed their Legion flight rings. I really liked that. Um, and that they established that they were a, a, a you know a, a team of heroes in the future. I, I think they they did all kind of the grunt work for it, but I would have liked to have seen them do more team stuff together. So that's that's where my disappointment lies. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if I had to, if I had to pick, I'd say that Supergirl's doing better with the Legion than than Legends did uh, with the Justice Society because they they really did feel like afterthoughts in that. In that season, but I mean, at least at least the Legion is is pretty well incorporated into the season. It's just I don't always love what's happening with them, and I kind of do. I I mean, it would it would have been nice to have like maybe just an episode where we saw the the three of them like hang out and like maybe do a mission together, like just them without any love triangle stuff. And I kind of was hoping that by the end of the season, they would invite Supergirl to become a Legionnaire, but I don't know if that will happen. Uh, that may be sometime in the future. Um, but I, I can't comment on the Justice Society of America because I don't watch the show. I only listen to the podcast, so I only have your <laughs> perspectives. Uh, I, I, so I don't know actually what happened, you know, visually on the show. Uh, so I'll, I will take your word for it. Don't worry. We're always right. <laughs> that's what, that's what I assume. That's why I listen. Um, and our final email comes from Lynn who writes, quote, I enjoyed your Supergirl characters as Muppets discussion. If Lena were a Muppet, I think she'd be Julia, the new Sesame Street Muppet who has autism. I'll admit that I haven't seen more of her than her introduction, but as the mother of a child with autism, I'm thrilled by her inclusion. So how is Lena like Julia? Both seem to be basically good individuals, but both are branded by society as different and given a label. If Julia were to live somewhere other than Sesame Street, the most accepting of places, I I could go on to say that both would be discriminated against because of things over which they have no control, and most people wouldn't have taken the time to understand either one of them. Many people wouldn't even try to get past their respective labels, unquote. And I think that's a good suggestion, Lynn. Yeah. Uh, I was also sort of thinking along... some similar lines. I 
after our discussion on the podcast, I was like, well, you know, maybe Lena is more like Gonzo because uh, Gonzo is a little bit of an outsider. Um, he's always trying to prove himself with all of his crazy stunts that he does. Um, and so I think that Lena could be kind of in that same vein. She's trying to prove herself as a good Luther and as someone who can uh, use her scientific prowess and all of her knowledge for, for the good of mankind, not evil like her mom and her brother. So uh, I, I think either of those would work. I think those are some good suggestions. I would also really like to see Lena do some stunts. That'd be awesome. My favorite Gonzo stunt, if you've never seen it, is in the Muppets Take Manhattan when he and all of those chickens do those crazy stunts where he goes through the ring of fire on the skis. You've got to see it. It's <laughs> hilarious. Watch the Muppets Take Manhattan. If you've got a couple of hours one Saturday afternoon, pop them up as Take Manhattan in. One of the greats. Uh, it has a little bit of a weird ending, little weirdly serious ending there. Uh, but if you've never seen it, it will change your life. It definitely changed mine. So uh, Gonzo is very uh, is spectacular in the Muppets Take Manhattan. It's going to be worth your time, people. <laughs> uh, we have a voicemail from uh, Mauricio. Hey, Supergirl Radio. Mauricio here. Glad that we got confirmation that our favorite cult leader actor is still alive. I really thought they read him off the show. Awesome episode, and to make it quite short, um, do you think Lena's going to be the big bad for season well, a villain in season four? Because that's what it's leading up to, and I still like it because I like Lena as a good person, but I feel like they're making some reason for her being evil in season four. But anyways, enjoy your day and can't wait to hear the podcast. Take care. Bye. I think she'll be the, the big bad eventually. I mean, I I think it could go that way. I don't know if specifically season four, but I think it could it could happen. I think if she was the big bad for season four, then we are just jumping. We are just shark jumping over like a whole lot of storyline that could be interesting to get us there. Like, I just feel like the distance between Lena as she currently is and Lena like cackling as she like is a mad scientist in a lab somewhere <laughs> is a, is a very far distance that like, you know, why don't we walk to there? We don't need to, we don't need to run. Yeah. You can take your time with Lena Luther. I, I just t- take your time with that. Cause like Lena Luther's pretty great. And like, if you're going to make her evil, which I, I I'm, I'm mixed on, but if you're going to do it, do it well. <laughs> Cause otherwise you're just going to like aggravate. A lot of people. Yeah, but I do like that suggestion in someone other than a Kryptonian. Yes. I would be I would be completely down for that because at the end of season one we had the Kryptonian invasion with Nan and Indigo. Indigo, of course, is a Kaluan, so she's not Kryptonian, but she was working with the Kryptonians. Then in season two you had the Daxmites who are basically like the the you know, Krypton's neighbors. Um, so, and they have a lot of the same powers, so it was kind of the same thing. Although I will say, if, if we see at the end of this season, if we see Lena get into a pod, it's over. Oh my gosh, don't even. She is then the villain. Don't. She's gonna, she's gonna be like, you know what, this pod is just right there, I guess. I've gotta do it. You're gonna speak it into existence, and I'm gonna be very (laughs) upset. No more pods. I'm anti-pod. No more pods. There were like two pods in last season's (sighs) finale, because there was... There was the rain pod, and then there was the pod that Monel got uh, into. Uh, <laughs> they then shot him uh, into space. I'm just, I'm over pods. I'm over it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then season three, of course, is all you know, evil Kryptonian world killer. So I'm kind of Kryptonian doubt. Yeah, a non-Kryptonian villain 
would be aces. I would like that. Yeah, I would be very much into that. Well, uh, before we wrap up our feedback, we have some Snap Judgments sent in by our listeners. In the game of Snap Judgments, each person is presented with two options, but must only choose one. First instincts are recommended and explanations are unnecessary. So the first one is from Amanda, who asks, which bit player would you like to see make another appearance? Brian the alien or Streaky the super cat, or I guess in this ep- in this series it's just the cat. He's not super, um, although I think he's super, but he doesn't have superpowers. He's just an awesome cat, really. <laughs> <laughs> um, great cat, but Brian, you scamp! What are you up to? We haven't seen <laughs> him all season. Uh, I've I as much as I like Streaky. I thought he had an adorable little scene with Kara. I would pick Brian the alien. I want I want to see him again. Uh, the next one from Amanda is, who would you like to have a new storyline? Jeremiah Danvers or Cat Grant? <laughs> I just thought, Jeremiah who? <laughs> <laughs> just like Alex. Uh, <laughs> oh, sorry, Jeremiah. Uh, and just like Alex, I'm going Cat Grant <laughs> on this one. <laughs> sorry, uh, Jeremiah, we're just going to leave you out in the cold for a while longer. <laughs> I actually would say Jeremiah Danvers. I think there's more to tell with him. Not that there's not any more to tell with Cat Grant. I just think that they left Jeremiah Danvers just out on the run. I would love that wrapped up at some point, like before the show ends. The the series finale of Supergirl is going to happen and we're going to be like, so what about Jeremiah Danvers? <laughs> Jeremiah Danvers, like, in the last few minutes, like, gets out of a pod somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> or even worse, they put him in a pod and ship him somewhere and they don't tell <laughs> yeah. us where he goes. <laughs> They're like, oh, we didn't bother to write down the coordinates. <laughs> oh, poor Jeremiah. Uh, yeah, I would like to see more for Jeremiah Danvers. Uh, the next one from Amanda is, who would you like to see in a mini crossover? John Diggle from Arrow, Cisco Ramon from The Flash, Ray Palmer from Legends of Tomorrow, or Anissa Pierce from Black Lightning? Hmm. This is a tough one because, you know, I am on a little podcast called the Legends of Tomorrow <laughs> podcast. So I feel like my loyalty should be with Ray Palmer. And I think Ray would be a great cast member. But also Anissa from Black Lightning is really cool. But I have to go with Ray Palmer. I got to hold it down for Legends. Also, I think that that like the Ray would have really funny interactions with Kara and probably win as well. I think I'm also going to say Ray Palmer from Legends of Tomorrow, mostly because of the Superman connection. I thought they had a, oh. a cool little scene in the crossover this season with the uh, Crisis on Earth X, where they basically insinuated that he was Superman coming to save his cousin. I thought that was really cute, and I would like to see more of that. So I would pick Ray as well. Well, our final two snap judgments come from Danae, uh, asking, after Ruby, who should dye the tips of their hair blue? <laughs> Kara or Wynn? Hmm, this is a tough one. I feel like I'm going to go Wynn, because I really want him to have that, like, 90s hacker look, <laughs> like, where he's, like, sitting at the computer just smashing keys, like, indiscriminately, like, we got to get into the system. <laughs> and I feel like the, the blue tips are really going to help with that. Like, basically, I just want him to be, like, Angelina Jolie in that hacker's movie. <laughs> I am also going to say Wynn. I think he could make that work. 
and it it would fit him. Um, it would be a, a nice change for his look, I think. Uh, and the last one is James's guardian helmet or Ruby's motorcycle helmet. I just think um, in terms of protectiveness and uh, like being really effective, Ruby's motorcycle <laughs> helmet. <laughs> I agree. I think if anything is going to protect your head, um, it's probably going to be the motorcycle helmet. Uh, they they really got to work on that guardian helmet. Got to improve yeah, better luck next it. time win. <laughs> improve it. No judgments on your snap judgments. All right. Well, that's going to do it for all of our thoughts and feedback on the fanatical. So thanks to everybody who wrote in. Uh, if you would like to contact Supergirl Radio like those people did, you can comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can also email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com and leave us a voicemail and call us at 678-718-7252. And make sure you do that uh, to write in and call before about Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, that would be great. Uh, you can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Google Play, iHeartRadio, uh, and on Spotify, where we also have a playlist that includes music featured on the show. Uh, we are listed on DC's fan page, so you can check that out at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. And we are available on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio. So if you have some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review. Supergirl Radio is part of the DC TV Podcast Network. So if you also like Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, iZombie, Black Lightning, Krypton, Titans, and classic DC TV shows, you can subscribe to DC TV Podcasts on Apple Podcasts. And follow at DCTV Podcast on Twitter and like DCTV Podcast on Facebook. Uh, also, uh, there's a we have a T Public store. We do. And it's got so many cool things. So many cool things. Uh, if if you're like a super fan of rain, we've got that crazy rain symbol shirt. You can wear that. It's gonna it's gonna creep some people out, <laughs> but you don't care because you're a fan of rain. <laughs> <laughs> you can get it in different styles. Uh, so that's uh, very cool. Um, we've got lots of Supergirl stuff. We've got Flash stuff. We've got Arrow stuff. We've got Legends of Tomorrow. All the Bebo you could possibly got want. So is much in there. Bebo. <laughs> Um, but we've got a lot of DC TV stuff up on the T public store. And all you have to do is you can go to supergirlradio.com and you can go to the top of the page and there's a little T public store link. Click on that and it will take you right to the store. Um, we have some. Uh, uh, albums, I think is what they call them on TeePublic, uh, set up so you can click on uh, the, the shows on the left side of the page and go straight to those t-shirts or those designs. You can get t-shirts, you can get sweatshirts, you can get onesies for little babies. Um, you can get all kinds of things. I think they have notebooks and stickers. So you can get all sorts of things, not just t-shirts. Um, so you can get designs on most, uh, any any cool thing that you can think of. Um, so definitely check out the Public store. We have sales occasionally and promo codes. So be checking out our social media for that. And you can follow me on Twitter at DerbyKid, that's D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D, and Instagram at the Derby Kid. And you can watch videos of mine over at YouTube.com slash DuckMilkProd. And I am a contributor to a JLU podcast, which you can find over at JLUniverse.Podomatic.com. We're still going through Wonder Woman and Justice League. And uh, I recently was on a podcast called Cinemaversary, uh, which discusses uh, movies that have anniversaries this year. And I talked about Man of Steel with those guys and had a really good time. Man of Steel is one of my favorite movies and has 
one of my uh, my all-time favorite Lois Lane, let's be honest, uh, I I think Amy Adams is uh, a great Lois Lane, and I enjoyed talking about her and all things Man of Steel. So if you want to go check that out, uh, go uh, download the episode from Cinemaversary. What anniversary is it having? It's the fifth anniversary. It's been out for five years? And it was released in oh, 2013. Oh, boy, life is going fast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> life is coming at me fast <laughs> is what I'm realizing. We are getting old, and we don't know oh. it. We are getting old so fast. Oh, that's rough. Um, you can find me uh, at on Twitter at um, at Mojotastic. That's M O J O T A S T I C. I'm the same on Instagram as well. Uh, and you can also find me as a co-host on the Legends of Tomorrow podcast. Um, I believe we just we just recently did our season three wrap up. I think it was like two hours. So just settle in for that one. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and we're planning a uh, an all feedback episode um, for some time in June, so that'll be our our next episode out while we sort of try to survive this uh, this hiatus without our our favorite legends and without Bebo. It's it's a tough time for us, but we're getting through it. So if you wanna if you wanna go back and listen to some of the old episodes, you should check that out yeah you just go back and and binge listen to the episodes of the season you don't even have to watch the show you can just listen to yeah. those episodes it's like rebecca if rebecca is living proof that you can just listen to the podcast you don't have to watch the show who needs the show you've got the podcast you have the podcast that's our that's our motto <laughs> <laughs> well that's going to do it for this episode of supergirl radio on the fanatical but if you want to hang out for a quick spoiler section we'll be doing that after our theme music but until then, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. I'm still Morgan Glennon. And experts say that when we are in pain, then the best thing to do is... Surround ourselves with loved ones who can bring us back to life. city here. Supergirl is on a mission that's gonna fix your mom. My mom has disappeared. I will set fire to your world. Watch out! Mom. Supergirl. All new episode Monday at 8, 7 central on The CW. And we are back. And what you just heard was the audio for what's coming up on Supergirl. The next episode is called Dark Side of the Moon. The official description reads, quote, Supergirl is stunned to discover that a part of Krypton survived. Meanwhile, Alex is attacked while out with Ruby, and Lena considers how far she will go to keep Rain contained, unquote. Ooh, Ooh. That's, that sounds really juicy. I'm very uh, interested in that. So, uh... What are you, uh, what is sticking out to you, Morgan, when you look at this description? Um, how about every single part? What is happening in this episode? There's, there, part of Krypton survived. Alex gets attacked. Lena is like, 
uh-oh, that seems bad for everyone in that <laughs> Rain Lima situation. Listen, I, I, I have a hard time not uh, not agreeing with Lena because if somebody told me that they were going to snap my spine specifically, <laughs> like a twig, I'd be like, you know what, maybe, maybe let's go, uh, maybe let's have a plan B up my sleeve. <laughs> this go south <laughs> yeah and um the dangerous part about this is supergirl is going to be um not only out of the country she's going to be out of the galaxy she's going to be off planet uh so she's not going to be around to help lena so i'm really concerned about if things do go south for lena what is she going to do uh that's going to be interesting um i'm also very curious about this uh oh oops part of krypton survived <laughs> whoopsies <laughs> yeah so i'm curious to see what uh, i guess that's going to be related to supergirl and monel's road trip so i'm very curious to see what goes on there and uh, i'm glad to see more alex and ruby stuff i really like their dynamic and their relationship so even if alex is being attacked uh, I think it will be cool to see more story from them. So that next week's episode sounds like a, a very action-packed and, and uh, lots of good stuff is coming our way. So I'm very excited. Yeah, sounds like it's going to be pretty intense. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our spoiler section. Thanks for listening. And we'll be back with a new episode discussion next time on Supergirl Radio.